You're listening to Simmering Thoughts, where we serve up slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. I'm your host, Ryan Akers. This week's discussion welcomes two of the Guys with Bibles from the Guys with Bibles podcast. Today we're going to be discussing what it is to say that man is made of parts, that is, we're made up of parts, but yet we're still one man. Please forgive some of the technical difficulties you'll hear during the episode. You have just enough time to grab your Bible, grab your favorite beverage, and grab your favorite seat as we serve up slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. Welcome back to Simmering Thoughts. My name is Ryan Akers and I am your host. Uh, Today we are going to dive into our anthropology topic. Uh, However, we're going to look at it in a slightly different way. And to help me do that, uh, I have invited a couple of guys with Bibles. Uh, That's actually (laughs) what they're called. That's their (laughs) podcast, Guys with Bibles. We have two of the three hosts with us today. That would be Lee Jones and Scott Woodruff. Lee, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Well, uh, my name is Lee Jones. I'm one of the co-hosts on Guys with Bibles, and I'm the kind of the webmaster, editor, whatever, whatever you want to call it for our show. Um, I'm just a an average working man. Uh, I make car parts for the average working man because that's who I am, and that's who I care about. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, we, <laughs> but uh. uh Theology and discussions of doctrine and the Bible have always been a passion of mine, and uh, it's just very exciting to be able to come on and make new friends talking about it. All right. Scott, why don't you introduce introduce yourself a little bit more? Hey, what's up? I'm Scott Woodruff. I'm I'm from Guys of Bibles. Uh, As you know, Lee has already introduced himself. (laughs) Um, We have been doing this for, what, about two years now, Lee? Uh, yeah. going on something like that and um i'm in school to be a pastor and i lived here in ohio my whole life and that's about it you guys ready yep let's do it we're going to go ahead and jump in what we are looking at today we are going to look at what is man only as we've looked at it in our last few episodes uh we've seen that man is created for community we've seen that man is male and female and how they interact uh we've looked at that man is created in the first place we've we've looked at uh, that man is uh, a sinful being and needs to be saved but we haven't dug into necessarily what makes up a man uh what are the parts you know there's the the famous i was thinking back to my u.s history uh or world history class actually it was and my teacher used to always use the phrase, we are all but parts of one stupendous whole. And, of course, he did it to cause high school kids to giggle. But we are made <laughs> up of parts. Uh, that we're going to twist that saying and turn it on its head because it's meant to say we're all part of one community. But we are all made up of parts to make one being and one person. And so we need to look at what that looks like. Uh, and so what we're going to start with is... What are the parts of man from a uh, physical, spiritual standpoint, and how are they different? How are they related to one another? Uh, and with that, I know in history there has been a uh, large discussion about whether man is two parts, which is body and soul, or if he's three parts with body, soul, and spirit. And I, and especially within 
even the Christian theology realm that that's been a discussion, but I know it goes outside of that as well because of some scripture things that happen. So I thought I would take that as a starting point. Uh, gentlemen, I don't know who wants to go first, but there's the question. How many parts do we have and what are they? I, I'm going to side with the three parts. Um, they have body, soul, and spirit. Um, throughout scripture, it describes that man has body, is embodied with a soul, and is embodied with a spirit, and they are a combination of a working force that was made by a divine being. So I, I would go with the three. Uh, we are made up of three parts. I I do not. Really? I go no. I go with I'm right now as I've been considering the issue since we've been talking about this. I've been going back and forth and trying to read as much as I could. And I I think I'm I'm in the two the two part camp when I read in uh, Genesis two, um, in verse seven. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So, so there was a body. And when he breathed right. in the breath of life, man became a living being. And in being, the Hebrew word there, uh, one of the many meanings it has is soul. So the breath of life uh, in man instilled a soul in him. And so I, I want to kind of wanted to ground it there in the Imago day to say there there was a body God made a body of of dust and made a man but when he breathed in him he gave him a soul and that became the whole man yeah and the the Hebrew word for soul is nefesh um nefesh I think I'm pretty, pretty sure it's around that yeah, nefesh nefesh um so here 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 would be my question so when a soul, when a body dies, is it the soul that returns back to God, or is it the spirit that returns back to God? I, I'm not sure I'd make a division between the two, because I think spirit is part of, of the soul. Well, I mean, if you, if you really look at it, because in Psalms 104, in verse 29, it says, um, you hide your face, they are dismayed, you take away their spirit, they expire. And return to their dust. So the psalmist is explaining that the spirit is returning to its original place that it came from. Which so psalm was that? Psalms 104, verse 29. And, and if we really want to look at it, I mean, Jesus even in Matthew 10, 28, he, he depicts the soul, but then Paul... Um, he said, well, in Matthew 28, he says, fear him who can destroy the soul and the body in hell. Okay, and then Paul, he'll go on, the body and spirit, Paul wants the Corinthians and the church to deliver um, an erring brother from Satan uh, for the destruction of the flesh. That is, his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. Um, it's not that Paul has forgotten that salvation of the man's soul as well. He simply uses the word spirit to refer to the whole of the person's immaterial existence. Um, 
And, and James also does something similar here. He goes, he says, the body apart from the spirit is dead. And that's James 2.26. Um, but this mission, it mentions nothing about the separation of the soul or the spirit. Um, it really, when it come, boils down to it, um, we go back to Paul. Paul speaks of the growth of personal holiness. He approves that the woman who is concerned with um, how to be holy in the body and the spirit, First uh, Corinthians seven thirty four. Um, he suggests that this covers the whole of the person's life, and is more explicit that they are three separate beings within one. I mean, it's a body within two separate beings. So you have a soul and a spirit. They are, you have the soul of a man, and then you have the spirit which God gave the man. Um, so the body is, comes with the soul. Is that what yes, you mean? I, that's right. Yes. So no, when you say spirit, you don't mean the Holy Spirit. You just mean the spirit of the man. Where? Okay, let's. It goes to 2 Corinthians 7, 1, where uh, Paul says, Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit and make holiness perfect in the fear of God, um, cleansing ourselves from the defilement of the soul or of the spirit, which covers the whole immaterial side of our existence. My contention, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I, I think that soul and spirit are used synonymously throughout scripture. So sometimes it'll say spirit, which can either be pneuma in Greek or ruach in Hebrew. But then at other times you'll see nephesh, like we saw in right. Genesis 2. And it just makes me wonder if there's a nuance in Hebrew that we miss out on, either because we're separated by language or by time and context. Right. That maybe to them, those two things are actually speaking about the same part of a person. Um, because I know there are there are a couple times in Scripture where uh, where especially uh, I'm thinking of Paul in First Thessalonians, where he talks about body, soul, and spirit. I'm turning it to it here. Uh, it's First Thessalonians five. Uh, 23, where it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, there's that's one of the, there. That's one <laughs> of the few instances where, yeah, you see three. But I, I think that the reason you see three there is because Paul is using some parallelism, kind of, or not parallelism, but, uh, double repetition kind of the way jesus says truly truly i say to you or when jesus talks about um on the last day people will call out lord lord as emphasis right and i i think in this in this moment this is just kind of my interpretation but i think in that moment paul is trying to emphasize to them that um this work is spiritual work it's internal work it's not merely about um, sanctifying your body, although that is part of it, and we will talk about sanctification uh, in the course of our conversation here today, but I think he wanted to emphasize that we've got um, pneuma, he uses pneuma and suke, 
which uh, can also mean breath or the soul, um, which seems a little bit like the mind to me. So when he talks elsewhere in Romans about the renewal of your mind, this makes me wonder if he's doubling up on the internal factor, the, the, the soul of the man, that he's sanctifying your whole soul, your mind and your body kind of a thing. So it's not saying three distinct things, but it's they're so interwoven that you can name them, you can break them up, you can break soul into mind versus heart, all these kinds of things, but it's all speaking about the same thing. It's that internal life of a man, his spirit or his soul. Okay, so what do you what do you think of Romans 8:10 where where it says but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ well, this, we're starting from nine. Does not have the spirit of Christ. He does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life in your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells within you. Right. So, I, man not only has, has a soul, but there's also a spirit dwelling within the man. So that there, there, is, there is a separation. In that context, it, it looks like we're talking about, at least in the Romans context, that argue also the, the Thessalonians context, we're talking about someone who's saved. And so clearly the, yes. the spirit here, yes. you know, I'm reading from the CSB. I know you guys aren't, uh, but I'm seeing all sorts of nice capital letters for spirit in much of the Romans passage. And I think it's all of the cases. Yes, right. And, so. and so yeah, that's, and it does, does that's, the same nasty. Yeah, that's looking at the, the Holy Spirit rather than the man's spirit. Although there is a passage that says, uh, who knows the spirit with uh, who knows the mind of a man except for the spirit within him. And so is that right. is that right. taking and saying that the spirit and the mind are two separate things or because, you know, if you look at the, the passage in where were we just a minute ago, second, Thess first Thessalonians, it used both pneuma and psyche uh, to, to kind mm -hmm. of translate it breath and, and, and mind or psycho, you know, that's that same root of psychology and the mind. Um, yes. And then the, the pneuma being the, the concept of wind or the breath. Or in this case, what it's referring to is is that idea of the breath of life that God gave us, uh, the animating spirit, you might say. So, is there a, a, yes, a the spirit? Animated. Is there a is there then a mind that's separate from that animating spirit that works in conjunction with it? Uh, I'm kind of a both a both kind of trains, and it's for me a matter of the moment that you're talking about it, or the context you're talking about it, uh, because. I'm not sure that the, the mind is the part that is damaged by the fall. So if we have uh, right. the, the, the psyche, you know, our brains are affected by the fall, but it's our, it's that image of God that we're given, which isn't necessarily our brains. That's what's destroyed. Uh, it, right. It's and, the whole spirit right. that a man is born with. That's the Imago Dei. It's not even the physical body that's the Imago Dei. It's that soul, the spirit. I'm going to keep using both words because it's going to make it very difficult. Yeah, you're uh, throwing me off. I've already lost. <laughs> but 
but no, I, I think you're right. Well, and I think also part of the Imago Day is, yes, we do carry the image of the almighty creator of the universe. And I think to a certain degree, although we're not as complicated as God, I think that brings within itself an amount of complication when it comes to figuring out what stuff we're really made of. Because, wow. and I kind of alluded to this before, but um, we could be breaking this down into multiple ways. You know, Let's right. say we have a, a soul and a spirit. So maybe spirit uh, informs the mind. So we could break up spirit into mind and maybe some other elements. And if you have a separate soul, you could break soul up into heart, talking about emotions. Uh, you, could, you could divide well, soul. Maybe even part of the soul is in the brain when yeah, it comes well, to yeah. processing yet your will. So I, I think we're we're multifaceted creatures, and I I just contend, and I think I have some scripture on my side at least to support this. But at at bottom, man is physical with a body and spiritual with a soul, and we can divide that up however we like. But I think there has to I think the minimum requirement is is those two things. And I would consider then, if we're talking about soul versus spirit, I would subsume spirit within soul. I'm actually looking up a quote from St. Augustine. Um, he believes that the human intellect is both passive and active with regard to the forms. Um, Augustine is commenting on uh, how the law of God has been transcribed on the human soul and the spirit of God dwells within the soul um, is what he's talking about. And this is the book of Ronald H. Nash, um, the word of God in the mind of man. Um, I, I did it in one of my philosophy classes. Um, so <laughs> you're welcome. I, I'm going to throw a wrench in this. One of the classes you hated. <laughs> yeah, really. I'm going to I'm going to throw a wrench at you both, and I'm going to uh, to take this in a broader picture, and then translate it in really a, a totally different concept, and then and then translate it to man, uh, and that is God, who is simple. He is God is mm-hmm. is without complexity. Yet when we consider God we can see and and because we can't describe god in his simpleness as humans we tend to to only see parts and so we see complexity even though god is simple uh god is one there there's uh not a division within god he's not this thing today and that thing tomorrow uh and i think one of the things that that separates us from god is that that physical body god is pure spirit whereas we are physical body with a spirit uh, dwelling within that body or tied to that body uh, would probably be a better way to say it in terms of the mortal life, Uh, the mortal life, not with the M in front of that, the mortal life. Uh, (laughs) I had to say that very clearly. Uh, And so, you know, with that, that idea of God being simple, he's spirit and he is a God without parts, as we hear in several books recently. Uh, But we look at man and there's clearly a time when man can be divided his body away from the spirit and or the spirit and soul uh, at the same time in death. And so in life, as we're born, we have these things all together. But after our death, those things are separated for a time. And so 
you know, it's hard to separate soul and spirit in terms of articulating that well. Um, it's it's a hard thing to, to wrap your mind around. I don't remember which Greek guy it was. I remember reading it. It's been more than 20 years since I was in that class in college. I want to say it's Plato, but I may be wrong. But who said it's either him. Uh, it might have been Aristotle. But anyway, uh, that they were separating. <laughs> they, they separated the animating spirit of a man from the intellect and the mind and the will. And they kind of saw intellect, mind and will as one. And they saw that animating spirit as a separate thing. And yes, that's extra biblical because or sub biblical, even if you wanted to think of it that way, uh, because it's it's not from Scripture. But that is a, a certainly something that was in play uh, in terms of the philosophies of the day while the Bible is being written. Which is not a distinction that we are going to spend that much time on in our current culture. Right. So maybe we've lost that nuance in the course of history. Right. It's plausible. Is there something we lose? And, and we know we know Paul was very invested in those kind of conversations, as you see how he disputes at Mars Hill. Um, he was very much into um, those kinds of philosophical discussions at the time, and then speaking the gospel in the course of it. Yeah, I... I, I could I could see us uh, having something lost in translation there over time. Concepts that we don't think about. Hmm. But Thinking. I will say there was there was a an article in uh, um, Table Talk magazine, and uh, at the bottom of it in the Coram Deo section it says the Bible teaches duality. Man is composed of body and soul that exist together harmoniously. So I'm not going to say anything, but I am on the side of scroll. <laughs> that helps. That helps. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. Trying, trying to distinguish whether the soul, spirit, and body are three parts rather than two. Um, I'm not sure it's that God definitely... would design us to be our own little trinity within ourselves either the symbolism of three i'm not sure i'm comfortable putting that on a person that's very true hmm. interesting that's a heavy thought and i wonder if maybe part of the reason that we we struggle with that is you know as someone who you know we claim christ we claim to be indwelled by the holy spirit and so the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, if we're a duality, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, making us into three, because there's clearly that third element sure. living as part of us along with us. Um, and and yeah. it gets I mean, it's really easy to get get stuck in tall weeds uh, with that particular set of um, concepts you know it uh and and really that's not necessarily where we're heading with this particular that fine distinction may not be the 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 angle that i'm really heading for but it's certainly something for us to be thinking about as we consider man as we consider how we function uh so let's do this for the for the for the sake of our listeners as they as they go through and maybe as we go we'll we'll start to clean this up a little bit in terms of a definition uh but we certainly want to see that there's there's a difference in history between uh that there's present in history and in theology those two ideas um 
But, you know, this plays out in a lot of different ways. The, the body and the soul uh, or the body and the spirit, they, they play themselves out throughout our lives. And, and Paul really deals with this a whole lot in terms of both uh, salvation and in our sanctification uh, in, in right. that something is being changed and something is being renewed. Uh, and I think this is one of the arguments that I've seen used for the, the tripart uh, distinction in man is that uh, in salvation, the soul is saved in sanctification. The spirit of the man is re- renewed. The mind of the man is renewed uh, and that the body isn't necessarily involved with that until glorification. If that right. makes sense, uh, so right. I, so, so, go ahead. So, are you are you saying that the, um, we're we're talking about the trichotomy of spirit and soul? Um, are you saying that the spirit is what is regenerated, or is it the soul that is regenerated? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I based on the way that Paul words things. Uh, it would strike me that it would be the soul that is regenerated. And then the, because you think about that, we're, you know, so often the spirit of someone is tied to their, their, their intellect, their will, their personality, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, and that's not necessarily, I mean, those things are uniquely us, but those things are mutable and are changeable. Um, whereas we are going to have our soul no matter what. And, and one of those things is justified, it seems to me. Right. Um, I don't know. I I don't, I'm not sure I want to limit salvation to just the soul versus the mind. Well, thinking justification, I guess. Uh, because we're looking at salvation as, I mean, if you look at it as the overall picture, that each part of the man is redeemed at different and in different ways at different times. Right. Sure. Um, but then how do you square that with Romans 12, 2, where it says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? That sounds like a, a sanctification exactly. action. Exactly. Yep. And that's where is I that, would, Is that where you're going with that? I, I would, yes. That's what's what's pulling that into my mind. Uh, it's one of the places that's pulling that into my mind. That we, you know, our mind is being renewed in sanctification, whereas our soul is what is justified. Right. And then our spirit is what's being regenerated. Yes. And then uh, when we're glorified, our, but we have that glorified body. Right. I, I just think it's very important that we tell the listeners that it's the spirit is not dead in an unbeliever, but it comes to life when someone trusts in Christ. Um, because the Bible talks about unbelievers um, having a spirit. Um, that is obviously alive, but is rebellious and against God. Um, I don't know if you remember King um, Sihon, King of Heshbon, Deuteronomy 2.30. Um, the Lord hardened his spirit, or Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 5.20. His spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly or un the unfaithful people of Israel, Psalm 78.8, their spirit was not faithful to God. Um, when Paul says your spirits are alive because of righteousness, uh, Romans 8.10, he, he says um, apparently means alive to God, but he does not imply that our spirits were completely dead before, only that they were living 
out of fellowship with God and we're dead in that sense, um, which is in the same way we are, as old persons, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Um, it is. Sounds like you and Leighton Flowers have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> Who is, who's that? He's, he's the anti-Calvinist that uh, James White talks about he's, and was huh. debated with. He's the guy that runs Soteriology 101. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> he, he argues that because people can still exercise their will, that means they have the free will to be able to choose God and oh. uh, follow him or not. See, that's where I disagree. But um, the spirit... Because definitely I, people, people definitely have an active will, but they're always going to be bent right. uh, to it's always disobeying be... and hating God, exactly. even if they don't consciously know that they hate God. Right. The spirit and your soul is going to be rebellious towards God until God has regenerated you um, and put within you a new heart of flesh. Uh, so I, I would just, it all comes down to the cleansing of the spirit Yes, um, done, done by God. And it's all by God himself. Yes. Um, that I would totally the, agree with. The, right. And I mean, the man is completely filthy. Even though his spirit may not be completely dead, dead, but his spirit is rebellious. Well, it's and, at least dead and in trespasses within, and sins, right? But it's it's rebellious and it's enmity towards God. It's an enemy of God. Um, it's I, free I, to I just, choose whichever sins it likes. It wants exactly, to <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly. And one That's of the exactly things. What I was I wonder sometimes if we get our temporal language and our eternal language a little crossed up there because in, sure. in, in the temporal standpoint, yes, we have our will in the eternal standpoint. Uh, we are who we are and we, we act by the very right. nature, you know, out of the heart is what we speak and out of the heart is what we choose to do. It's, it's what's within us. Wait, uh, is the heart, the soul or the spirit? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> That's a that's a hey, great Lee, you're question. You're asking way too many difficult questions right now. If if we My go with brain the, is hurting. If we go with the the tripart, it's all soul, bro. If we go with the trichotomy, I would say the heart is the the soul, and that the that's, spirit that's is exactly, the mind. Yeah, is the mind right. yes? If I subscribe to trichotomy, I'd agree with you on that. Yeah, and and it's yeah. this is something that I've not found a comfortable place with in in ninety nine percent of my life. This doesn't come up. Uh, in conversation, it is something to, to twist your mind about every once in a while. Uh, but it's not something that oh, we you don't do talk about trichotomy all the time. No, not, 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 not so much. Uh, uh, it's the life of an elementary music teacher. It's rare that we talk about the uh, trichotomy of the human body in history and, and how we realize that. Uh, it's just trying to get a kid to hit the right note on the trombone. Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm just trying to get them to understand that they have a body and how to use it. So here. Some of them, the wires. Here's what here's what I crushed. found. So so when we have a response, like a response um, to arguments for trichotomy, um, one of their main ones is First uh, Corinthians. If if you are a trichotomist, which I, I care less if you are, um, <laughs> which is in First Corinthians fourteen fourteen, when Paul says, "My spirit prays." But my mind is unfruitful. Um, this this is this has kind of got me puzzled here. So are they separated at this time? 
or are they just not working together? No, he's um he's struggling with the with the kind of double mindedness that uh, James talks right. about. Where, exactly. Where That's one part okay. Of the... I'm... Right. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just wanted to see if I was the only one that came to that conclusion. You said it was fourteen fourteen, right? I just want to make sure I'm in the right place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me of where where Paul says, "I do what I don't want to do, but in my mind, I." Mm-hmm. I Romans don't, seven. I'm I'm botching this so bad. Yes, thank you. Uh, it's the same kind of thing where he's got some internal division. So uh, I would say here, yeah. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. You know, mm-hmm. in, in a way, you know, you can see. I think we all face that kind of impulse sometimes when we pray, where inwardly, as we're led by the Spirit, we do want to pray, but our still the sinful part of us which he calls sinful mind, because our mind does wander sometimes when we pray. Uh, it usually has other designs other than yeah. prayer. So I could totally see that, which even even with the the, the theory of, you know, the unified soul, um, right. even though these are all parts of the soul, you still, because we're not home yet, you have the, um, the division within ourselves, still sinful man wanting to go and do versus the, the regenerated man seeking to please God and to be in union with God. So, right. Um, and I think there's a, a guardrail that we need to put up as we continue the conversation before we get too far. <laughs> uh, and that is, I want to go back to what started this whole mess. Uh, and what it was, was uh, Dr. Michael Schwiegel. If you don't follow him, I recommend it. S V I G E L. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it anyway. Spiegel. Uh, he posts a lot of something or other 101s and 102s and 201s. And this is a theology 101 post that said, my body is not a container that holds the real me. My body and soul together is the real me. And I, I think it's important for us to recognize that mm-hmm. all of this united. It's it's not like we can take ourselves, put, us up, put ourselves in a distillery and end up with the three separate parts and three separate beakers. It doesn't work that way. It's integrated in a way that finding the edges and this part of the reason why this discussion has lasted for millennia now. uh, Part of the reason is um, that that it is hard to distinguish these things because we are so intertwined and tied together that there really isn't a separation in our there shouldn't be a separation in our conception of ourselves uh, comparatively to this. You know, those who are justified are justified and they're going to be sanctified and they're going to be glorified. So even if it is that three part division, it's all going to be saved. And when we get to that point, right. that's the important part. And sometimes we, we get lost in the weeds and we forget how it relates to other things. And so that idea of that, you know, there is something in us that is sinful from birth. And as we grow and we learn how to live in this world, we learn really well how to sin. We don't learn and we are not really capable of learning uh, how to be holy on our own. And so it takes the word of God working in us and the spirit of God to renew us through that word to where we can tie those things together and start to be, get our flesh to reflect the Holy Spirit that has come to dwell within us. And that takes time. That's what the process of, of sanctification is all about. 
is getting the whole us to get us to be a whole being uh, together and unified rather than having the Romans seven experience where what I really want to do, what I really want to do is be holy, but I still have those old shadows that keep coming back that are sinful and I can't get rid of those all the way. And, and to realize that that's uh, that sanctification process, how that functions together is really important to our Christian walk because some folks think that you can turn it from zero to a hundred at the snap of a finger. And that's not the way this works. Yeah. No, I, w- I wish. Yeah. It would reduce the need for the back half of most of Paul's letters. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I, I just, that was something that, that, you know, it's that unification of all of this is something we don't want to lose in the process of the conversation. So if you've listened to this far and you're starting to figure out, you know, you're starting to ask, well, when I do this, is it this? And I do that, is it that? That's really not how it works. They all act together. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's somewhat. Right. Of, we're not, we're not dualists. Right. You know, exactly. it's not, we're not Gnostics. We're, we don't have matter, uh, vying against spirit you know it's it's unified so when when my when my body hurts i experience um spiritual lethargy spiritual mourning spiritual regret spiritual depression in my physical condition uh often plays some role in in how my spirit is doing as well Mm -hmm. if i'm sad about something that's going on with me or with somebody I know, sometimes my spiritual disciplines suffer uh, because I'm too focused on that thing or, and or something have, like that. It's very, it's integrated. Or if I have the flu. Sure. You know, if my physical body is yeah. ill or broken, uh, it's hard for me to focus on the things of God. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's one yeah. of the things that watching, we have a, a, one of our senior saints, one of the widows in our church that's battling breast cancer right now. And to see her physically deal with the treatments and and the surgeries, but at the same time be able to be constantly in prayer and and to be able to be pointing herself to Jesus and pointing everybody around her to Jesus, whether she's in her her pew at at Sunday morning service or in Sunday school or sitting in the doctor's office, Mm -hmm. she's constantly looking to Christ and looking to the word and just that witness of this is how you, you know, she's not trying to say, this is how you do this, but we're able to watch her and go, that's how we do this because Mm -hmm. she's walked that path. I mean, she, she two years ago, three years ago is when her husband died and he had been sick for a long time and had had, and she had walked through that. And so seeing her spirit be able to, to bear up under the pressure and the, the strain, physical strain of breast cancer. You know, this is a, a potentially lethal thing. And to watch her be, be a buoy to everybody else around her has been so sweet and wonderful. Um, That's awesome. Because of, uh, you know, when I'm sick, I don't want to read the word. When I'm sick, I want to sleep on the right. couch. I don't want to be in prayer the whole day. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. you know, you think about Paul and the things he went through and and to be able to be in prayer in the midst of all of those things. But the whole list of, you know, beaten, shipwrecked, mm-hmm. you know, lashed, all the different things. 
and and for him to be able to be in prayer and to see those in context that is a uh, that's a, a sign of sanctification for us uh, that we can see in somebody else uh, to help us as we grow. Right. You know, also, uh, it, it also kind of goes in reverse if you think about it. You know, there are many times in the Psalms where David is grieving about something or upset. And in the course of his grief and him pouring his heart out to God, he talks about his bones wasting away mm-hmm. or flooding his couch with tears yeah. you know his spiritual his spiritual condition led him to a physical uh, manifestation also yep. well but then as he's praying that then what's he do immediately he turns it to say but you are god and my spirit is uplifted and my body is made whole right mm-hmm. so i mean he's combining spirit and soul he you guys yeah <laughs> it's so integrated you can, I you might, can hardly really divide it. It is. Or if you begin it, it's, dividing, it's very, you stop dividing. Can you be a two and a half? Difficult. Yeah, can you be a two and a half, not a three? Yeah. Does that count? I'm kind of wondering. I'm like, man, the par- the parallelism is in the, the poeticness throughout Scripture um, is just, it can be very daunting and confusing um, to many. Biblical poetry is hard. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, because I mean, a lot of errors yeah. have come through biblical poetry, right? So is the spirit and the soul just the same entity? Yeah, you it's, know, and that's where yeah. I'm not. It, yeah, this is this is one of those where I'm not going to put down a. a I might put down a, a small wooden stake on a spot, but I'm not going to pound it very deep because I want to be able to pick it up and move it over there real quick. A little bit later. Right, right. <laughs> there are I'm, some things that I can put an iron rod and drive it 30 yards deep. But this isn't one of those. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Exactly. And, I'm, I'm, I'm planting my flagpole and I'm putting a Gazden flag on it. Uh, okay. Don't tread on me and my du- dual nature of man. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, all right. Hey, this so, is guys with Bibles. I, I, <laughs> yep. That's what you. <laughs> So I, I think one of the things that what I want to do now is kind of pivot that conversation and uh, head into some different waters that are related okay. to it. Because the thing I responded to, I, I retweeted Dr. Spiegel and then I posted a response that said, I wonder if this bit of theological anthropology is a key to understanding many of the popular issues within society today. And so, you know, I'm, this is. This is kind of wading into water simmering thoughts doesn't go into very often because we don't necessarily go to the headlines for our content. Uh, that's not the purpose sure. of the podcast. But this is one where where what we're talking about plays out in society in so many ways. Uh, I think about the discussion that's been ongoing now since well, it's been ongoing for a really long time, but it's been hot for the last 10 to 20 years with sexual identity. Um, oh, and, yeah. Uh, one of you guys brought up in the in our email conversations and in our, our, our text conversations, the idea of uh, life support and really not really life support so much as uh, looking into what is coming in the way of AI. I know that's something that ERLC has spent a little bit of time thinking through, which is way thinking ahead beyond where I'm capable way of, because um, they were talking about that several years ago uh, and looking at 
hybrid bodies, which is a discussion we might get into here in a minute. Uh, and so I kind of want to weave through some of those things. And, uh, you know, you could even take it into the idea of different kinds of addiction, uh, how that plays out in, in this idea of the body and the soul and the mind. Are they fighting each other? And, and you know, is this something where as we have maybe that dualistic Gnostic approach, if somebody takes that approach, is that going to lead them into such errors where they think that their body and their soul don't match each other? And so because I think I'm a female, but my body is male, then I must be female or male, but I don't know which. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's where we just dive into, uh, I think your mind is sick and you have a mental illness, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but we can't come out and say that anymore. Well, I would think I, I think we could certainly say that their soul is sick and they have a, 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 a spiritual soul problem in relation to where God has made them. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Every, every, yes, you understand totally that you're not made it. the way your body is, but that's a matter of sin within you manifesting in that way, right? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is causing corruption of the mind. Uh, yes. So there, it's more of a spiritual um flesh flesh like battle that is going on within the person um it's kind of similar with depression um we don't know where depression really comes from um but it's it's something that just attacks the mind and it affects the entire body yeah um it it infects the entire soul of a person it's almost like they're just zombied you know they're completely just hollow to many things in life um and it's it's very it's a difficult subject to to touch on the transgender movement and um the lgbt community um but i think it is a very important topic that um churches and pastors all over are scared to back or reinforce the biblical teachings of what it means to disobey and rebel against God in a sinful way and why your sin is sin. Um, Well, you're not even allowed to have the category of sin because we have to celebrate every, every possible thing that every person comes up with for their identity. Right. Um, You know, we, we neglect the fact our culture has totally lost, and I think maybe at one point we had this, but, you know, as, as Christians, we know sin opposes everything that God has created and created well. And he's, he has a created order within the human that the soul and, and the body be linked and that a person would care for their body and would care for their soul. Um, and we see in so many different types of sin where people are driven to harm their own body, to consciously harm their own body. Right. Sometimes there are sins that, that drive people to consciously harm their own soul. I think about people that are drawn into the occult uh, in that mm-hmm. category. Um, there are people who strive to, to, to drive a wedge between the soul and the body. And I think yes. of transgenders in that, in that time, in, in, that, uh, in that category. Right. Because because you feel someone and they'll even talk about it that way in my soul. I'm a woman, but in my body, I'm a man. What really am I? You're you're sick. 
you know, you're, you are harmed by your sin nature. And there's no way that you can solve it um, apart from the work of Christ uh, justifying the soul dead in trespasses and sins. That's the only hope. Right. But but sin, in every possible way, I think we could we could uh, compute at bottom is always seeking to undo what God has done well. Yes. And I, I think that's where you know as you were speaking just then the 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 fool says in his heart there is no God popped into my mind, and so I turned over mm-hmm. to Psalm fourteen where that is. They are corrupt. They do vile deeds. There's no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise, who seeks God, but all have turned away. All alike have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then it says, will evildoers never understand? They consume my people as they consume bread. They do not call on the Lord. And as, as we think about, um, you know, the, between the sexual identity topics, there's, there are, there's one particular part of that community that says there is no God. They'll just outright say it. Mm-hmm. And then there's another sure. community that wants to say there is God, but they want to rewrite what scripture says that God says about where they are. Exactly. And, and that's that's just as corrupt. Well, they'll, always, they'll also say that the Bible needs to adjust with the times. Right. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that. Before, I've heard it. I, I hear Thousands of times. Never, Scott. I've never heard. It. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, I read that. I've song never heard it. Never heard it with you, Lee. Ever. <laughs> seems like seems like we're always in those biblical discussions. I don't know how we always. It's get almost tied like we this. build a whole podcast. Out. Yeah, it's literally, it's literally like what happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people want to justify their sin. Yes. To make it to make them feel like, well, if it's okay with the God I have in my mind, then it's okay. It's one uh, of those things where we have a, an innate knowledge in us that we need to be justified. And there are those yeah. who seek justification that is provided by the Lord. And there are those who seek to justify themselves, literally self justify. Um, they want to, sure. to try to say that they themselves are clean. Uh, and that's one of the things that, that the atheist would say is they would say, there is no God. I am fine. Uh, right, would, right. That's their version of self-justification, and and that the one that is um, not really atheistic, but is more of ambivalence toward spiritual things, uh, they're self-justifying by just turning off that part of, or trying to turn off that part of them, and I think that leads to its own uh, physical and mental realities uh, that they have to deal with. Right. I totally agree. No, I absolutely yeah. agree. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah. Well, as as we take that that idea of the soul and the body, I don't want to end on a down note like that is. Uh, so let's oh, no. let's spin just a little bit. I mean, kind of part of me wants to jump into the AI life support thing, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm prepared mentally yes. to deal with that um, because I'm. It's it's just a weird thing to think about a hybrid computer slash human being and i'm not sure how it would function uh but at the same time i just saw the the report about elon musk and i don't know if that's like 
Twitter stupidity or not, because some things come across Twitter <laughs> that are as fake as, you know, having my walls painted yellow and calling it the sunshine. So, you know, I, I don't <laughs> trust... <laughs> I don't trust Twitter any further than I can kick it on things like this, but it is an interesting discussion point in that there's those that are trying to make implantable devices. And I know that that they're trying to do it, but apparently Elon Musk has said that they're close to getting it done to where they actually can integrate the mind and a computer together with even read, write capability, both directions. And that just seems weird. That's to me crazy. That's insane. Um, it's almost like, have you ever seen the movie um, with uh, Keanu Reeves? Okay, that's um, that's a long list. list. <laughs> well, it, 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 it just it just came. No, 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 no. This one oh. just came out like two years ago. Okay. Um, his family. Uh, he is a doctor or a, a scientist or whatever, and he's working on the brain, um, and he's able to transfer memories into another human and have that their memories of that certain situation that person that died yeah um well his his family ends up getting in a car accident and they all die um i can't remember what you're talking about johnny mnemonic no it's called it's called replicas replicas yes Replicas. replicas that's it and um they actually make replica bodies of what are those things called when they what do they call those doppelgangers no i I don't think that's it um where you make the same person as yourself a A clone a clone yeah they were making clones see i like his answer better (laughs) um so a doppelganger so yeah, would be a different person with a different mind different, and soul and, that's true. and body, a different and, DNA. And, and that'd be a different time or what, wouldn't it be a different universe or whatever? That's yeah. yeah. We're not into universal paradoxes, <laughs> but, um, so they, they clone the family's bodies and then he implanted the minds and memories of his family into those cloned bodies. And he was able to, um, delete and reconfigure memories mm. just by a click of a computer. Yeah. And I mean, it was just, it was crazy. It, so I mean, in I, some ways mm. this isn't a new conversation because in a lot, in a lot of parallels, this isn't that far from what Dr. Frankenstein is dealing with and trying right. to create, right. you know, he's creating a, a monster, but this is out of spare parts. Uh, and he's trying to retrieve this brain uh in in whatever format he can so this isn't new to humanity to seek that uh extension of somebody else's life in our context it's a kind of that's where it kind of looks toward the resurrection um and we we recognize that in death there is a a uh, a destruction of the body and those who don't understand the bible and don't subscribe to what they don't have faith in what the Bible says at all. They don't understand death the same way. And and they approach it with fear and trepidation. They don't, you know, as a Christian, I don't I don't fear death in terms of right. what I've read death to be because I I see what it says in scripture and, you know, as far as I can tell from scripture, the moment my body dies, my spirit goes to the Lord. I don't have to worry about it. 
and so, and, I, and I sin no more. And I sin no I, more. I, you know, I, I sin no more. I don't have to battle sin. Exactly. No more. And I'm looking forward to that, and uh, it's not a moment of of sorrow for me. And you know, I I went to a funeral of one of my uncles last week, and uh, so this was something that was already on my mind a bit in dealing with sure. with the grief. And he is a man of great faith, and and was of all of my aunts and uncles. He married one of my aunts. So this is a married in uncle. Uh, but nonetheless, okay, okay, even, nonetheless uh, yeah, even among that yeah. list though, he was one that was a, uh, a spiritual bedrock of the family. He was one that, that the, my, my dad's siblings would call for spiritual advice. And so, uh, you know, he's got that, he's clearly a man of the faith. And I see my, my cousins and my aunt that are, are grieving sort of, but they're not grieving, grieving as I've seen at some funerals. And I loved that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, and it was interesting seeing my family this week as it was not an expected death. We didn't expect him. He had not like he had been sick or anything. He had a heart attack, uh, had just played golf that day and shot his age and had a heart attack that oh night. My and, uh, oh my goodness. and so, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't expected. And, at the same time, there wasn't, it was, it was difficult, but it was difficult for what was lost in terms of going forward time. You're, you're, you're grieving the, the active presence of that person yes. in your life, especially if you were very close, Yes, but you know exactly where they, where they went and you have the hope of being able to see them again in, in our perfected, uh, Im- immortal bodies. Absolutely. Um, in, in the presence of Christ. Face to face. That was one of the beautiful things with the the funeral as well, is that was very clearly preached. And, you know, people, it's so funny because if you talk about that, especially with an unbeliever, people look at you like you've got three heads. Because to everyone, either they're so afraid of death that they pretend it doesn't exist. And I find that most people who are doctors, if they're not a believer, have (laughs) have that... uh, have that persuasion but then on the other side sometimes they're so comfortable with death that they actually consider it natural and the fact of the matter is especially from a biblical worldview death is not natural right it's probably it's probably the most um visible effect of the fall uh is the fact that that we only have a certain number of of years that appointed to each person to live and then we die our our souls our our bodies weren't meant to be separated from our souls and it's a radical, radical um, part of the of the fall that we have to deal with that reality. It's something that that we shouldn't be comfortable with, but it's something we can come and and be at peace with, right? In knowing Christ, and and that's that right there. In we can be at peace with it, and that it that makes the salvation of a soul the thing to be. We should celebrate that with more fervency than we do mourning one who has died. That's why, and, you know, one of the most misquoted Bible verses out there is when it said that there's, there's more, there's celebration in the presence of the angels right. when one sinner comes to repentance and everybody's like, Oh, even the angels are glad that people get, get saved. No, there's, there's celebration in the presence of the angels. That means God is celebrating right. while the angels are around his throne singing the Trisagion. God celebrates 
when people are saved. We should celebrate too. Yes, exactly. That made me jump in my head to a passage uh, that's near and dear to my heart, and that is uh, Zephaniah 3. 17? Yeah, part of 17, yes. Uh, where we were brought yeah. sing for joy starting in verse 14 sing for joy daughter Zion shout loudly Israel be glad and celebrate with all your heart daughter Jerusalem the Lord has removed your punishment he has turned back your enemy the king of Israel the Lord is among you you need no longer fear harm and the whole picture of this this is at this is literally looking for a final restoration this is looking at the end at heaven um, and then we get to, on that day it will be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet in his love, which that line right there is a lifetime worth of meditation. That's and he awesome. will delight in you with singing. God will delight in those who are saved with song. We spend our lives singing songs of praise to God in heaven. Mm -hmm. He sings with delight over us. That's just like, and you know, why, why in the world would God pay any attention to us? You know, like it says in Psalm eight, who are, who is man that you would be mindful of him? Right. You know, there's, we're, we're, uh, as RC Sproul likes to say, we're guilty of cosmic treason against the Holy God. Why in the world would God even give us a spare thought? He ought to just, zap us all with the power of the sun and start over again but instead not only i mean he does delight in us and we know that he does because he sent his son to redeem a people uh to be called by god's name and to live in holiness and spend an eternity with god Mm -hmm. it's an incredible mercy that that god went went to such lengths to, uh, to to undeserving people exactly and and that's where the uh, that idea of glorification and the picture that we're given in uh, especially some of Paul's uh, writings with the Corinthians and Thessalonians, but uh, also in Revelation, we're given that picture of the the glorified body where our soul and our body are rightly together and are without sin, cleansed, perfected in in Christ by the blood of Christ and we're able to stand in God's presence and worship forever. And, and that's what this whole conversation is pointing us to in the whole time is that, that we are all made of these different parts. And there will be a time when there's that separation between body and soul. Uh, But there is a time when those are going to be renewed together. And for those who are saved, that renewal is to life abundant with God. For those who are to be damned, that is a renewal of body and soul to be thrown into hell, um, to be dest- not really destroyed. That's not the word, because I'm, I'm not an annihilationist at all, but to be uh, oh, put under on. punishment. I'm not. Sorry. <laughs> Can't go there. Uh, there are those who are. I'm not one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me neither. So unless you're a Jehovah's it's Witness. conscious torment. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's you know, you're that the resurrection isn't just a resurrection to life. It is for those who are saved. But it is also a resurrection you know, we're told that all are going to come before the throne. And yes. it's very clear about that. Uh and, and those who have faith and that are written in the book of life, 
those are going to be saved. And those who aren't are going to the fire and into the have lake you ever of fire. Re- have you ever read the three views of hell? Not as a book, no. Oh, why? It's not a book. Okay. I mean, there are there are three I, different views I know views there are three different hell. views. I haven't read. I know there's yeah. probably a book out there because I've read one, the, the three, uh, four different reads on the atonement, something like that. Yeah. Um, Steve Gregg. I don't know if you guys know who Steve Gregg is. With three um, Gs. Yeah. Three he is sub substandard uh, cellular data. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> no man, that was that was just state of the art twenty years ago. That's all. Right. <laughs> but he he uh he has a book and it's uh oh he goes over hell and he goes over the three views of hell, um how many different Christian or like um groups and denominations they believe certain depictions of hell and what the eternal torment would be is it a conscious torment is it annihilation is it um only for so long of a torment and there are those who think it's just a separation from god to where you you would almost have an eternity without anything to pay attention to besides yourself uh i I can't Mm -hmm. imagine an eternity of navel gazing that's beyond what i can imagine <laughs> that might be eternal torment to be honest with you <laughs> yeah I, I i just hear mine being stuck in a room just with green day playing all day long how dare you sir how you know? dare you <laughs> that is a um i had one yeah go ahead I, well i was actually about to change the subject unfortunately go so for it. go no go, go for ahead. it go for it okay well, I, I wanted to go back to the AI discussion just very briefly because uh, I I had a another sci-fi reference to. Well, we talked enough Bible; it's time to talk sci-fi. What, Will Smith? <laughs> Are you going to bring my robot? Oh no! <laughs> no, please actually, go, Robin Williams. So, no, 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 definitely not. No, no fears. Um, my 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 all-time favorite sci-fi novel is Dune. Yeah, we're hanging uh, but up. my. But my second, and I say this partly for Sean's benefit, who couldn't be with us because we're both massive Dune fans. My, wa- but my actually, wife would be there with second, you. Oh man, I don't even know uh, what it is. Oh man, tell tell her tell her when we're done here, bless the maker and his water. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but anyway, uh, my second favorite sci-fi novel is one by Richard K. Morgan called Altered Carbon. Um, there was an incredibly smutty uh, Netflix show based on this on this book that was not as good as the book, and I don't recommend watching it. But the novel was pretty good. But in the course of the novel, a big a big part of what goes on is that people are uh, basically backing up their uh, their entire selves, their mind, soul, whatever you want to call it, uh, and and saving it in basically in the cloud so that if somebody dies they can basically take uh, a dead body off of ice essentially they call them sleeves and insert their identity their uh, collected memories that are backed up and uh, insert them into that new body and go on living so that's called sleeving like i said and the the plot of the novel basically is there's a guy who's done this so many times that he is uh, actually, like a thousand years old, 
because he just keeps he's got enough money to keep backing himself up and buying new bodies essentially and one of the interesting things in the series is there's a, a, a kind of a religious debate uh, in the subtext of the novel so it's 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 basically a uh, a noir detective novel because this guy gets murdered but he comes back and reports that he had been murdered and he needs to find out who the murderer was. So this guy uh, is investigating the murder of a man who is still living. But in the background of that plot, there's a religious discussion among, of course, Catholics. And this is like the one time I've ever agreed with a Catholic. And it was that none of them allow themselves to be backed up to the cloud because that would be a mortal sin. And if any member of the Catholic Church ends up backing up their identity to the cloud, uh, they are immediately uh, excommunicated and uh, um, are not allowed to take communion. And I, I, that was kind of part of why I was interested in talking about AI, because is there something, if we came to the point where we were able to back up our minds like that and be able to download it into a new body later, does that change something about our soul? Are we still who we are just because we were in a different body? And again, it's another it's another division between the body and the soul that I think mm-hmm. sin is is so uh, desperately trying to wedge. I think that's a picture we see in all sorts of different. Uh, it, it plays out in all sorts of different ways in uh, literature from different time periods and different genres altogether. Uh, there's several different tellings of someone trying to make themselves immortal, uh, or mm-hmm. if you think about the Highlander series, where there's a whole group of them that are supposed to be immortals but they're not really immortal so uh, you figure that Mm -hmm. one out Uh, and at the end there's only supposed to be one immortal so we get down to just one immortal after having a whole bunch of them Uh, and then you have others where there's a race of immortals and and a race of mortals and how do they interact Um, and and you know even if you want to you Mm -hmm. can take the trite road and talk about Voldemort and what he was attempting to do and and that's it's something that we've we've played around with in literature for so long. I don't think that there, the, were... the ancient myth of the fountain of youth. Yes, exactly. Um, oh. al- alchemy. As yeah. Whole. That idea. Of... Hang on. None of that's real. <laughs> <laughs> well, full metal alchemist is real. We all yeah. know. I'm hanging this phone up. <laughs> you guys just ruined all of my dreams <laughs> and all of my fantasies. Uh, yeah. I, and, and that's the, there's that there, there is within the human, a longing for it for uh eternity and mm-hmm. yeah. a longing and, and in our body we know that we are physically not immortal and i think that's one of those things right. that drives us to the gospel um as a it should be something that we can use to drive the culture mm-hmm. to the gospel to say hey you're longing for this eternity you know yep. you don't have it right now let's talk about where that eternity lies and what it is yep. As we do wrap up, uh, I wanted to reiterate that while we can sit and and talk in a lot of different ways, almost a clinical way about uh, how our bodies react to something or what's in our spirit or what's in our soul. And we can we can in our minds, we can focus on that part of the picture. Uh, In reality, it is one picture. We are a unified being. Uh, and that is by the design yep. of God. And we are supposed to long for that time in the eschaton when we are reunited body and soul. And uh, 
So, you know, as we as we as we talk about this, as you're listening to this, don't lose that perspective. And if you do any extra study on this, don't lose that perspective that no matter whether you see a two part distinction in the body or you see the three part distinction in in the body um, or in the humanity, whichever one you fall into, it is still a unified body. And to distinguish them and to separate them to a point that they don't really interact and that they are so distinct, uh, you run into heretical errors if you continue down those mm-hmm. roads very quickly uh, in, in both in terms of belief and in terms of practice. Uh, things that uh, are harmful to your soul and are harmful to your body, both. Uh, and when you err in one, you cause a, 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 there's a, there's a domino effect that falls into the other categories. And we've already talked about that today, uh, but I want to bring that up and remind you just to make sure. And, you know, it's, uh, it's something that you could spend a long time studying and there are a lot of different places in the word to go to. Uh, not everybody deals with it. Uh, while we were talking, uh, we've got an interim pastor at my church right now and he sent me a text on another topic and uh, we were asking how my day was. And I said, well, I'm recording a podcast. He said, okay, what's the topic? <laughs> I told him and he, re- I asked him which one he would, he would be a, uh, a trichotomist or a dichotomist. He responded with, I don't really care. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, wow. and, and, but at the same time, I know that he said that with, with a partial tongue in cheek type attitude. Cause I, that's, you know, that's the nature of our texts. Um, and, and I know that that's where it's coming from. He probably has an opinion, but he doesn't have mm-hmm. a hard stance and, you know, it's not a salvation matter, which one you take. Uh, it's not going to change that you need a savior. It's not going to change that you need to be justified and sanctified it's, and you will be glorified. It's not going to change God's work in your heart when he does save you and sanctifies you. Absolutely. Exactly. That is absolutely right. And with that, uh, we are going to call that the end of the episode. I want to thank you two gentlemen for being with us, Scott and Lee. Uh, if you have not listened to thank guys you. with Bibles, go check them out. Uh, I am, I, li- I found them on, Google Podcasts. Uh, I think I saw them on Podbean, uh, and they also have a website. So go find them. Uh, it's easy to use Google to find them. It's easy to use iTunes to find them. I'd imagine they're also there. Uh, and uh, yeah. take a listen to what they have. They have some really cool content where they're having discussions, but also individual Bible studies focusing on uh, passages. And I think that's a really cool thing to do. And want to want to say again, thank you guys for being on. Thank you all for listening. And we pray that God will be with you this week and look forward to another episode of Simmering Thoughts. Hopefully next week, we'll see how summer treats me. Uh, so everybody have a great week. That's it for this episode of Simmering Thoughts. Stay tuned for our next episode in our anthropology series coming soon to a podcast catcher near you. Thank you for listening to Simmering Thoughts. If you've not already done so, please go subscribe to Simmering Thoughts at your favorite podcast catcher. Join the conversation by joining our discussion group on Facebook at Simmer Thoughts. You can also find us on Instagram and on Twitter at the same handle at Simmer Thoughts. You can send an email to SimmeringThoughts at gmail.com and you can follow me on Twitter at BandmanAcres. Thanks again for listening to Simmering Thoughts, and we pray that you have a great week in the Lord.